Well, if you are here still with us, thanks for joining us with, uh, with a worship and a time of prayer. We're going to go into a time of God's Word now, and if you have your Bible, either a, a real paper Bible, good old-fashioned Bible, or you want to pull it up on your screen or on your phone, um, we're going to be in the book of Daniel, the Old Testament book of Daniel, and in chapter 6 this morning. This is week two of a series that we kicked off last week called From Death to Life. From Death to Life, and it's really a series that's bringing us ultimately up to um, the celebration and the story and the awesomeness of Easter, that is Jesus, by God's power, being brought from death to life, the, the resurrection. But we, what we're doing is we're surveying stories in the Old Testament and in the New that lead us up, that, that God was revealing step by step His perfect master plan. And it reminds us that um, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. It reminds us that regardless of circumstances, big or small, that our hope, our only hope, is in Jesus, who is God, who came to earth, died on a cross for our sins, but then rose from the dead, that we do not worship and serve a dead God, but rather a living God and Savior who has conquered sin and death. So this morning, I want to just begin by sharing with you a story. This is a story I heard uh, several months back, and it's so appropriate for this story of Daniel. Uh, most of us probably know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. That is Daniel chapter 6 that we're going to look at in just a second. But this story that I want to share with you just connects to our reality right now and the story of Daniel in such a powerful way. Um, it's the story of a Vietnamese uh, Christian who was a translator back in the early 1970s. He was a translator for a guy named Ravi Zacharias, who is a, a worldwide evangelist. Many of us have heard of Ravi. This man back in the 70s in Vietnam was translating as Ravi was doing missions work uh, around the country. His name uh, is Hien Pham, Hien Pham. And so Hien was working with Ravi and sharing the gospel, translating from English into Vietnamese all over Vietnam until uh, a time when Ravi left the country again in the early 1970s. And it was pretty soon after Ravi had to leave the country of Vietnam that the country actually fell uh, to communism. And from that point forward, with the shift in government, Ravi did not hear from Hien for 17 years during this time of, of communism in, in Vietnam. Um, after the fall to communism, Hien was immediately falsely imprisoned um, on the accusation that he was helping the Americans gain some sort of a political advantage, which of course was not true. He was sharing the good news of the gospel. Um, his jailers tried to indoctrinate him against Christianity, tried to tell him, you know, God's not real, give this up. Um, and Hien tells the story, he says, eventually over time with, with the attacks, verbal and physical, that he began to believe that. He began to believe the lie that maybe God just doesn't exist. Um, eventually, he got to the point where he decided, I I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray anymore. The very day that he decided not to pray, God began to, to move in a powerful way. So we're told that the, the next day, um, he and was assigned the chore of cleaning the prison toilets. I don't know if you've ever had to clean toilets. Probably most of us have not had to do it um, in that sort of a situation in a prison camp. But he and was, was uh, scheduled to clean the prison toilets. And so he's cleaning out the toilets. And uh, as he's doing that, his eye catches um, a piece of paper among the, the used toilet paper and all the stuff that's in the, the, the toilet. He sees a little piece of paper with English printed on it. Um, and he pulled it out. He took it with him 
that evening, he washed off the piece of paper, and he's reading on the piece of paper, and it says at the top of this little piece of paper, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is on the piece of paper, and he begins to read that little piece of paper, and it says this on that piece of paper, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. It said, for I am convinced that neither life nor death nor anything can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And at that moment, he was just convicted and broken and he cried out to the Lord and he said, God, forgive me for doubting you. Forgive me for even one day of refusing to pray, of believing that you weren't real. Moving forward from that, he literally requested, hey, can I have toilet duty every single day? And they granted it to him. And so his routine became every day to go and clean out the latrine because the captain of the camp was literally using the Bible, the Word of God, page by page as his toilet paper. And each day, he and would take that paper, wash it off, and read the Scripture and pray and be reminded that despite the circumstances, that God was good. Eventually, Hien was released from prison, and he began to make plans to escape the country of Vietnam. Um, he began to build a boat, and he actually collected with him 53 other people that wanted to get out of the country and get to safety. This is crazy now, as if it wasn't crazy enough. Four days before their departure, four of the Vietnamese or Viet Cong soldiers came to his door and said, we've heard that you're planning an escape. Hien was terrified. Um, he denied it. He said, no, no, no escape plans, absolutely not true. And they left. But as that door closed, he and again w- was convicted and overwhelmed by the reality of, am I really trusting God to be who he says he's going to be in these difficult circumstances? And he prayed and he promised God, if these four soldiers come back again, I'll tell the truth and I'll tell them that we're planning an escape. So Fast forward a few days, a few hours before they are planning to leave on this boat out of the country to try and sail to Thailand, the four soldiers come back. They say, we've heard that you're planning an escape. And he in trusted in the Lord and he said, yes, it's true. I'm planning an escape. And the soldiers looked at him and said, we want to go too. Take us with you. Unbelievable. Um, he and continues to tell the story. He says that when the 57, 58 of them now got on the boat to try and make it to Thailand, that they encountered a massive storm at sea. And he says the only reason that we survived was because the sailing skills of the four men, the four soldiers that were on that boat, if he and had not trusted, had not prayed, if God had not been faithful and provided, that they certainly would have drowned in the waves. But he survived. Every single man on that ship survived, and God brought them to freedom. Incredible. Brian Chappell, who is the uh, pastor at Grace Pres in Illinois, um, says of this story, and as it relates to Daniel chapter 6, he says, Our difficulty does not indicate God's departure, but rather the necessity of renewal to our callings. Think about that again. Our difficulty does not indicate God's departure, but rather the necessity of renewal to our callings. What I want to do now is go to Daniel chapter 6, and I just want to read kind of the finale of God's powerful story where we see again in the story of Daniel in the lion's den that God has power over death. 
that God has power over crisis. If you've got your Bible, take a look at Daniel chapter 6, and we're just going to read verses 21 through 23, again, sort of the end of this story. Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Let's take a moment once more and let's just ask for God's blessing over his word this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive and to believe this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that is good and perfect, and we put our faith in you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Three applications that I want to give you from the story of Daniel in the lion's den this morning. God's power over death and crisis. Uh, death and crisis. God's power over death and crisis calls us to three things. A renewal of faithfulness in our affairs. A renewal of faithfulness in our prayers and a renewal of faith in our Savior. Those three things. Number one, and again, if you got my uh, email this week, you've got a little bit of an outline here that you can work with, but feel free to continue to take notes if you don't have the outline. Number one, a renewal of faithfulness in our affairs. I wanna go back to the beginning of this story now. This is Daniel chapter six, just gonna read verses one through four with you, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be throughout the whole kingdom. These are just leaders. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What's crazy about this story, and probably you're familiar with the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but what I love here is Daniel had to shelter in place for a long time. This is a shelter-in-place kind of a lifestyle. Daniel and all of God's people are living through one of the most difficult times in their history. It is historically referred to as the exile. Um, After generations of faithlessness and countless warnings by the prophets of God, God allowed his people to, for the most part, be destroyed. Uh, Many were killed, and the remainder were physically carried off into captivity, Uh, in Babylon, and then later taken over by the Persian Empire, which is where we find ourselves in Daniel's story. Um, We are not experiencing the exile. Um, I cannot imagine what it was like, but we are experiencing clearly um, a historical time. And in in our living room this morning, it may not be that bad, but we are aware that in many places in our country and around the world, it is really, really bad. Uh, I'll just say for me, it's been hard to prepare a sermon this week. I'm, I'm very distracted. I'm very aware of what's going on, and I just want to check the news. I want to find out what's going on, and I just keep seeing story after story of people who are becoming sick and people who are dying, uh, and this is serious stuff. 
Um, by God's grace, if my sermon is terrible this morning, God is still on the throne, um, but he promises that his word will not return void, so we trust him in that. But I just want to recognize that all of us, clearly in one way or another, we're facing anxiety. Um, we're having to deal with questions. What do I do? Um, how do I stay safe? How do I help? Or who do I help? Um, what, about, what about food? What about money? What about health? What about education are all things that every single one of us has had to think about seriously this week. But I just want to point out to you one thing from, from Daniel's life here at the beginning of the story. Daniel had lifelong faithfulness in what was a lifelong crisis. The Bible tells us about Daniel that he distinguished himself in a country that was the enemy of God. He was one of three men over the whole kingdom. He's about to be made number two over the whole kingdom. And those other guys, many of them were exceedingly jealous and hated him to the point of wanting to falsely accuse and kill him. But the scripture says that no error or fault could be found in him. You know, it's crazy to me. I'd kind of forgotten this. In this story, Daniel is almost 90 years old when the story of Daniel in the lion's den takes place. And he had spent to that point his whole life faithfully serving and trusting God. It doesn't mean Daniel was perfect. It doesn't mean that Daniel didn't sin. Of course he sinned. But his trajectory was one of faithfulness to God for the long haul. In a situation where he and all of Israel remain in exile. What's crazy about this and what we have to be honest with here is nothing really changed despite Daniel's years of obedience. God's chosen people were still in captivity by the time this story takes place. Um, and when freedom did finally come to the Israelites, most of them chose to stay in Babylon because they had given their hearts over to a pagan anti-God lifestyle. And so when they were given the chance at freedom, they didn't take it. There was no sweeping revivals. There was no mass conversions in the lifetime of Daniel. But Daniel remained faithful in an impossible situation because he believed his God was powerful over death and crisis. And I believe that's such a word for us today to think about. You know, I've been amazed, I think most of all this week, just in hearing, as I'm sure you have, the stories of the doctors and the nurses particularly in places like Italy where, where they're lacking face masks and, and other equipment to keep themselves safe, and yet they, they keep working. They're lacking ventilators and medication and equipment to be able to care for the people that need that care. Um, but they have remained faithful in death and crisis. I read a specific story just the other day um, about a, a pastor there in Italy, 75 years old. And this Italian pastor uh, contracted the coronavirus and had to go into the hospital. And, and the people that are telling this story about him said that when he arrived at the hospital with the virus, that he immediately just began visiting all of the other patients who also had the virus and began reading the Bible to them and, and began praying with them. You know, the, the pastor died yesterday. He died from the coronavirus yesterday. And the story that's being told is obviously not by him. It's being told by the doctors and the nurses, several of whom in the story say, we lived our lives as atheists until this week. And we now see that God has brought these circumstances and that God has used these awful crises to bring us to faith and that God used this one faithful 75-year-old Italian pastor to show us the hope of the gospel. 
Guys, do not believe the lie that because what you are doing is small, that it's insignificant. Your faithfulness, no matter how small, matters. God can use you. God will use you. Because we don't grieve. Even over this pastor, what a terrible story that he's passed on. But we recognize that he is in heaven with the Lord, so we don't grieve, as the Scripture says, with no hope. We have hope that we can share because we know that Jesus is alive as well, that Jesus has conquered death and has met a way for that pastor and for those doctors and for all of us to be in heaven eternally with the Lord. Again, our difficulty does not indicate God's uh, departure, but rather the necessity of renewal to our callings. Number two, a renewal of faithfulness in our prayers. We're going to look real quick here just at verse 7 and verse 10. Verse 7 says, All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition or prayer to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 10 When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. You know, difficult times reveal for us what is negotiable and what's non-negotiable. And that's exactly what's happened here. The enemies knew they knew that Daniel would remain faithful in prayer. They thought, we've got him. I love that Daniel knew exactly what the document said. He knew that it had been signed, and he did exactly what he had always done. He knew that if he prayed, he would be killed, and he went home and he prayed. He opened the windows towards Jerusalem because he believed in a promised day of restoration for his people and for his city. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks. Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. And the Bible says, as he had done previously. See, crisis was not going to change his daily habit of personal worship. Many of you guys have heard of the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon. He said this, I rarely pray more than five minutes or go more than five minutes without praying. I love that. What are your non-negotiables? Our times and God's word calls us to that question. What this week have you realized is not very important? And what are the things at the same time that this week you have realized are really, really important? What are your non-negotiables? Uh, does this crisis move you to pray. I know that it moves you to make plans, but does it move you to pray? It's really a question of when things fall apart, where is your strength? Who do you look to or what do you look to? We see in the story Daniel remained dependent on the grace of God rather than on his own wisdom or his own work or his own plans. And I just want to say um, I am so, so thankful for all of the prayer warriors in our church. There are so many of you that faithfully have been and are praying, and this is not new for you because this has been and will continue to be a habit. 
Um, I'm so thankful for our prayer team that under normal circumstances gathers physically together every Sunday morning and prays before church and lifts up these same requests, prays for our city, for our nation, that people would know the truth of the gospel, lifts up our church. Guys, well done. Let us continue. And if we have to figure out creative ways to be able to pray remotely, that's fine, but let the prayers continue. Let's call upon God for His wisdom and His power. And I just want to encourage all of us to return to the non-negotiable of prayer. Use the prayer guide um, as we try to just navigate how do we pray and how do we handle these circumstances. Because chances are you cannot go to the ER in Italy and help out. But the best thing, the most powerful thing that you can do is get down on your knees three times a day and lift up those people. Lift up those situations in prayer. And New City, I just want to encourage you guys this week, when we finish this morning, to to make your theology practical. And what I mean by that is this, call your people and check up on them. Whether that be your family, that be our church family, that be neighbors, that be people who don't know Jesus yet but are in your lives, let's just make it a habit of getting on our phone in a time when we can't necessarily go face-to-face Get on your phone and call people. Take two minutes and say, how are you? How's it going? Do you have any needs? And how can I pray for you? And if you want to get super radical right there on the phone, the phone can handle it and God will hear it. Pray with them over the phone. Ask what they need and pray with them. I want to encourage us to do that and to live that way, not just now, but but moving forward. Live like Vincent and Margaret. Uh, Vincent and Margaret Crossett were missionaries in China in 1940. And Vincent and Margaret struggled against the poverty and the paganism at that time in that country as they tried to tell other people about Jesus. Um, After years of struggle, eventually a very small church was planted there in their corner of China. And soon after that took place, the attack began and the communists took over China and forced all of the missionaries out of that country. And Vincent and Margaret were were pushed out as well. And with great fear and trepidation, they thought, how is this brand new baby church of brand new believers, how is it going to survive the attack? But they left. They went home and they knew the only thing that they could do would be to pray. The only thing that they could do would be to pray faithfully. They prayed for 40 years without hearing what was going on with their church, without hearing how the people in that small community were doing. And eventually, as the political winds shifted, the nation was reopened and the Crossettes were able to go back to their tiny village. And after 40 years, when they got there, what they found out was no longer was there a tiny little church. But there was a thriving church of 4,000 believers in that city. God can do beyond immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. But we are called to ask, to ask God to do what we can't even imagine. Um, You know, there's been a verse this week from 2 Corinthians that's just blown my mind as I think about death and circumstances and, and prayer and asking God for His power in light of the resurrection uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 says this, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. 
On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Renewal in our affairs, renewal in our prayers, and then finally, renewal of faith in our Savior. Let's look back to the scripture in the story of Daniel. This is verses 16 through 23. The lions. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths and they have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. God brought Daniel from death to life. A huge stone was rolled into place. Daniel was essentially buried in a tomb with lions. Evil men did everything they could to end his life. The darkness of night fell, but he was alive the next morning by a miracle of God. This, guys, in the Old Testament is the plan of the Messiah Jesus unfolding before their very eyes and before ours as well. See, because God can bring you from death to life. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He lived the perfect life came to earth, lived the perfect life, and died on a cross for your sins. Remember, though, that evil men could not take Jesus' life. He willingly gave up his life on the cross as a sacrifice of atonement or a payment for the sins of the people, for every single person that will put their faith in Jesus and ask him to be their personal Lord and Savior, to to recognize and to admit, God, I am a sinner I deserve punishment. I deserve hell. But God, you have made a way through your perfect son. He paid the penalty so that I don't have you, so that I can have life eternal. So the bad news is sin is real. Death is real. But the good news is Jesus has made a way of salvation that we can have today, right now. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages or the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Will you call upon him today, even now, even this morning, and ask him to be your Lord and your Savior? You know, God's story, believers, God's story is that he will bring others from death to life as well. That he will bring others from death to life and that he will use us in that story. Listen to the end of this story. This is verses 25 through 27. 
Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Listen to this new decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Even this pagan lost king finally believed in God. He began by letting evil men tell him that he was the most important, and he listened to that. He began by being convinced that he ought to make a law declaring that he himself was God for 30 days. But God was working. It's so important, guys, for us to see today that God was working in that crisis. God was working in suffering, in his own people's suffering, and that he had a perfect plan to bring this one person to salvation. The king of the greatest nation that the world had ever seen came to faith in God. May God use our present crisis, our present situation, whatever may come next. We don't face it in fear. We face it in confidence. May God use the way that we handle our affairs. May God use us in our prayers to accomplish His good work that we might see people who don't yet know Jesus turn to faith in Christ. Amen? Let's take a moment and let's pray together. God, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Father, I pray for anyone who is listening to your word this morning, Father, that has not asked you to be their personal Lord and Savior, that that today, this morning, even now, Lord, that they might pray and say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I do wrong things and I haven't trusted you. Would you take away my sins by placing them on the cross of Jesus? Would you give me new life, eternal life? And Lord, I give my whole life to you. My allegiance and my obedience, I make you king of my life. Father, I pray for all those who know you but who are struggling this morning, Father, would you meet our needs? Father, we lift up needs uh, in our community and around the world of food and education and finances, all these things, Lord. But God, you own everything. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, says the scripture, and so we trust you. God, would you renew our faith and our trust in you? Lord, let us not walk by panic, but let us walk by prayer. We trust you and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.